I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello and welcome, or should I say welcome back, to the Indie Football Podcast on a momentous day. The day which, on which the England World Cup winning campaign began. And live from Moscow uh, with me is, as ever, uh, my right-hand man actually sat on my left today, our Northern Football Correspondent, Mark Critchley. Hello, Critch. Hi, Ed. Um, as ever, I'm not going to ask you how you are because you know, you've had a nice day off. The rest of us have been working incredibly hard, including the man sat to my immediate right, who is in Moscow for one night only. It is Miguel Delaney. Good evening. Miguel... Um, a huge England fan. You must be over the moon about that that late goal, which has just salvaged England's World Cup hopes. Um, they were. I, I, I was, I'm just just back from Rostov from watching a not great Brazil last night. Um, so I missed the the first half hour, uh, or missing him live. Uh, from what I saw, it's, it's quite. It's it's one of those games. Very hard to read because think about late goals. Basically, either they're a show of character that propel you further. Or else they just temporary, temporarily cover up cracks, and it's still difficult to know what that was with England. And even I know, I know they created so many chances in the first half hour. The one thing I would say about that is we've seen that before, particularly from England in tournaments. If you think Euro two thousand, England Portugal, we started off two 0 within fifteen minutes, and there is something about like the start of the tournament, the buzz around it, kind of creates this exhilaration, it's temporary exhilaration around the team until reality intervenes. Or not, not until the reality intervenes, but until kind of things die down a bit. And obviously England got quite a jolt with the penalty. Um, the second half did raise concerns, uh, some tactical issues with Southgate. But ultimately, I suppose, to be fair, he has gone on a lot about how... I think there was one specific quote from Southgate earlier this year when he said, we want to become a team that stops conceding late goals and she scores them. And that's what they did. And they, you know, I suppose they've done what a lot of you know, supposedly better teams haven't at this World Cup and got off uh, to a winning start. And uh, if, you, if you're talking about Southgate, eventually, really, he made the changes which kind of helped switch the game. I think we'll talk about Ruben Loftus-Cheek a lot later. But, um, Critch, you were watching more intently than, than either Miguel or I. What would why you, say, you say that? Well, just because you were paying more attention. That's okay. why. Well, there you but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Sorry, it's a compliment. <laughs> I don't know why I, I suddenly took offence to that. Um, <laughs> go on. Well, I was going to ask you what, <laughs> what you felt the story of the game was. I think um, I think the story of the game it has to be. You're always conscious when you're watching England that you don't want to sound like you're when you're English. I suppose that you're an England fan. I think that they deserved uh, to win the game based on the first half performance alone, if if nothing else. Uh, and really, they should have been two or three up by half time. Uh, and really, the only reason they go in at one one is is because of a poor refereeing decision. Uh, you can talk about the referee later on, um, but in the end, I, th- I I think it's a credible result, and I I would I would say overall it's a, a net positive night for England, um, but I think Miguel raises a a good point when he says you would you would be concerned with what happened in the second half, and just how 
when the game state, if you like, changes against them, when, when they've got to try and find something, how, how they break down teams that sit deep. Because, I mean, Tunisia were poor tonight. I think we all knew that from the first five minutes. Um, from the first 10 or 15, we could all tell they were poor on set pieces. And in the end, that's the only way that England broke them down with a excellent header off a corner, I've got to say still, from Harry Kane. Um, so, so yeah, that, that would still be my concern. I, I, I think um, perhaps from, from what we saw in, from Panama in the, in the Belgium game, they won't put up too much of a test. But later in the tournament, maybe other teams have seen the way to play against England if, if they get an advantage against them. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. It was a game where, I, you know, they could have won that 6-0 and it wouldn't have been a surprise. I thought Tunisia were, were pretty dire. Um, the main thing for me was a lack of composure in the first half. You know, some incredibly good chances where the ball has fallen to high-level players in the penalty area yeah. within 10 yards of goal. And it's not like they've just missed. They've, they've kind of miskicked it. They really just haven't worked out, you know, they just haven't connected with the ball in a normal way which is something that they would do with consummate ease at any other time you know that felt to me like a pressure moment and I guess that's the thing about having young players and it's one of the things that Gary Lineker was saying before the tournament about you know 2022 is probably the time for for this group of players rather than 2018 and it did feel a little bit like that because the players that were making those mistakes were young players although as you did point out Raheem Sterling does miss those sorts of chances every week it's just that playing for Pep Guardiola's Manchester City you get more of those opportunities every week. Um, so the first half was, was a good display. What, what happened? They went ahead. Um, they went ahead through Harry Kane. It was a smart finish after a couple of misses by Sterling and there was a miss by Lingard. Two misses by Lingard. Um, the Tunisian goalkeeper got injured, got replaced. Um, then the, the penalty was in the first half, was it? Yeah. So Tunisia got a very soft penalty from Carl Walker, but Carl Walker was, I think, in a quite a poor position. Critch. Um, I, I I think it's soft to be honest. No, of I course think, it is soft. It's, it's undoubtedly soft. I, 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 I think that. I think you could say in a position. I, I don't think you know football's a fluid, very fluid game. I, I don't think Carl Walker expects to be in that position and and give away a penalty every time. I I I think basically what he's doing, the ball comes across his front, and he's kind of showing himself. As in, like he's not trying to handle it; he's trying to let it go across him. So he moves his arms out and catches the guy behind. And if if look, maybe maybe um, another defender in that position is aware of the the danger of behind him and and doesn't give that kind of opportunity to them. But I I, I thought it was very yeah I thought it was very soft. So that was very soft. Um, and I think what will be a theme when we get to the mailbag at the end of. Uh, this episode is that the refereeing wasn't so good um, Harry Kane twice at least was clearly wrestled to the ground and didn't get a penalty but anyway second half I thought Tunisia adjusted well and England really struggled to create chances in the first half they were creating a lot of chances like high quality chances in the Tunisia penalty area in the second half they really weren't it was um it was pretty deficient to be honest there were a lot of players who like I mean Ashley Ashley Young you'd say was, was quite poor um, I thought Sterling did have a bad game um, which is a shame but you know it, when Raheem Sterling is receiving the ball with his back to goal that's not what you want for him that, that's not what you want him um, to be doing Deli Ali was was not bad I don't think but he was quiet uh, but who were the bright spots for you? 
Um, the bright spots. Oh, uh, I thought Jordan Henderson played pretty well. As as I don't think he, there was any. That was a kind of a question before the game, the weeks leading up to it, and I thought like his passing uh, was a bit more progressive than you usually see from him. So I thought that was good. Um, uh, bright spots. I mean, Harry Kane's got two goals, and it's all. I think it's always going to help. We need to remember that Harry Kane's really kind of up there now as as one of the best front men in Europe and and that is a massive boon to England really um, but like you said uh, Rose sorry Rose Rose is the guy I want to talk about because I think I think he was the one person I would have had in the starting lineup ahead of uh, Young tonight I think the rest of it was fine Rose was the guy I would have picked even though he's not played that much for Tottenham this year I think in Rose you have genuinely before all, all his injury problems and all the problems that have been well documented over the last few weeks, I think you had one of the best fullbacks in Europe, basically. And and if you can get him on the pitch, and if he's match fit at least, or if he's at least you know he's not carrying an injury, then you want that. And I don't I don't think Young, I don't think Young made a case for himself tonight. Um, and do, do, go on. Do, the one thing with Young though is as I think as, as we said, Michael Cox raised this, but uh, England don't have many set piece takers, and and he is solid as well, but. And I, I think that, that could be more of an issue maybe in later games against better sides. There was probably less need for, by, by the set pieces, there was probably less need for Young against a side that bad and that, that, that's so, so unwilling to get forward. I mean, you could have done Rose's pace and kind of over, overloads. I think Rose provides more balance. I think left foot, it's it? the left foot. Yeah. It, the left foot really helps. Um, and I think on set pieces as well, sorry, like uh, free kicks, I mean, Kane's shown an ability at doing, at doing those over the last few years so I, I don't think um, you're limited to I'm trying to think who t- took him tonight but Young took one and I saw Trippier took one as well I don't, I don't think we're necessarily limited to Trippier and Kane uh, Trippier uh, if, if Young drops out the side so I don't know about that I, I, I just think yeah his, his place is possibly coming to question tonight uh, yeah sorry go on. Uh, and um, I mean it's interesting, as you, I think your point about trying to be objective is 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 a good point. Um, not that we're massive. England no, fans well, no, no. Like you know, I think it's easier when you've been detached from the England team for a long time. Yeah. Um, Miguel permanently detached from the England team, and um, I was I was watching some uh, like a Spanish journalist said for him, obviously Harry Kane is the nuts, but but Harry Maguire was really impressive. And I thought Maguire was good. I thought there was actually a. Um, there was a an argument for taking off the extra centre back Kyle Walker and going with Stones and Maguire at the end because they're both guys who can play with the ball and Tunisia weren't threatening at all. Um, Tunisia were pretty poor, I thought. I mean, Tunisia Panama that last group game in Saransk is going to be fairly dire. Um, I was thinking that the best way to, to talk about the rest of the game might be just to go and do the mailbag now and, yeah. and answer some questions. I don't know how you guys feel about yeah. that. Um, so I, I did put it out there and ask for some questions, which I think will bring up a lot of the points that we haven't talked about yet. So uh, let's go from the top. One second. Right. Joe Walker says, why don't FIFA just call it off and give us the trophy now? Okay, that, not necessarily a serious question, um, but it's also because they're not allowed to. Um do you think the first half is the best we've played in a tournament since 2006? And why do you think we dropped off back to Euro 2016 standards in the second? That's Stephen Fox asked that. So what do you think, Rich? Um, I would say it's probably near... I don't, I don't think... I can't remember a performance 
<laughs> not, I'm not saying the second half, was, uh, the first half was brilliant by any means. It was good. I don't think, I, th- I think it was better than most things at 2006. I can't really think of a performance at 2006 that was too much better than that. Maybe uh, 2012 when they played Sweden in the Euros um, and came from behind to win. I thought, I thought, I thought that was a game where you, it was an entertaining game, and, and like kind of tonight was in a, in a way. And I, I think England played well that night. Um, but there is like. There is something that Southgate's trying to do something different with this team, and also he he's benefiting from the fact that in the Premier League, we've had teams that do play attractive, um, proactive, pressing football, like Manchester City, Tottenham, and Liverpool. And and if you look at the team tonight, that most of the players were made up from from those clubs. Um, so it wasn't really a surprise to me when England started so well perhaps because Tunisia were quite poor as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I would say it was one of the better ones, but I, I don't really think that there's a there's a high bar, if you know what I mean. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily saying much. It's like being taller than Danny DeVito. <laughs> OK. Also, some of England's best, as a razor, some of England's best starts, actually, I was looking at some of their most underwhelming campaigns. 1982, scored the fastest goal of the tournament. Yeah, uh, Robson against France. 2000, went tunnel up against Portugal. Uh, so, it's... Um, you know, it's mixed air as well. Uh, Chris, get the win. Uh, another question for you, Miguel. Chris Waters asks, will Southgate be brave enough to drop the clearly outperformed Sterling and Ali for the Panama game? See, I have to say, I don't think Sterling should be dropped. I think he's... In fact, I was slightly surprised when Southgate took him off because that, he's a player who scored a series of big game goals for City this season and almost the most experienced in that regard, Bar Kane. Um, so I, I, I would have kept him to be honest I don't think he should be dropped uh, I think Loftus-Cheek should definitely start though and I, as, as regards who would that be expense off uh, maybe it has Ali. to be Ali or Lingard yeah, yeah. doesn't it yeah well, I mean around reputation you'd go Lingard should be dropped on form and with the way the team works there's an argument it should be Ali I think that would be. A, I think that's going to be the big topic in the next couple of days. Uh, I, I imagine a lot of these questions as I scroll through them are going to be about um, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Yeah, yeah, there are. There's a lot. Has, has Loftus Cheek just put himself in with a good chance of starting the next game? I know he got a knock, but Ali was quiet tonight. Says Dan Rawlinson. Uh, Beard of Perez says, can Deli Ali recreate a Spurs form for England, or is he dependent on a particular system? In light of England having no playmakers, Lingard off the ball, Sterling a dribbler, and Deli a box player. Do we cut our losses and just put in a better ball player? Um, I think Loftus-Cheek, the thing about him is that he has an all-round skill set. He's great in the transitions in terms of carrying the ball. He can pass. Um, you know, he, he can shoot. He can score goals. And, and, and he's quite a big lad for a young guy. So you know, he's good in the air as well. Um, what do you make of England playing a back three against one striker or when playing against a team captain in their own half? I think we all agreed that or did you agree, Critch? Me and Miguel really. certainly agreed. You didn't agree that we should have maybe done away with a, a centre-back there? Not really, because I think that Maguire and Walker were two of the players that were offering more than anybody. Because England had them pressed, basically, on the halfway line. So Maguire and Walker, were, and, and their passing is quite good in that range, that um, having the back three kind of supplemented that... Um, Again, you come back to the problem, though, that Tunisia were playing deep and, and England didn't seem like they could break them down. I, I don't know if the answer to that was simply throwing another striker, and I'm always hesitant to say that. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I think, I think people, have, people have kind of nailed it in, in the mailbag questions. 
Ruben Loftus Cheek was brought on. But very smart listeners as well. Yeah, that's why exactly. Uh, do you see how I'm complimenting them? Yeah, yeah, this no, is a kind, kind of curry favour on the good, podcast because I'm I've not done many before. Um, oh, oh dear. Don't drop your phone. That's Whatever the burner phone as well. Um, yeah. So, but they're right in saying that Ruben Loftus Cheek was brought on. Perhaps Deli Ali was underperforming. I think Ali took a knock in the early stages as well. I, I would kind of. You, you know, I think you need to remember that before you talk about dropping him. But we need what we, what was needed was a few more passes and and a, a few more plays between the lines. And Luke, Ruben Loftus Cheek offered that, so I would be hesitant to say to completely change the formation. But so far, since it's been adopted in was it November? I think the the, the friendlies in November. To be honest, it, it it's worked fine. And and for the first thirty minutes tonight, like we've just been saying, it probably produced the best England performance that we've seen in a few years so um, yeah yeah, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have changed the formation uh, Mark Ridley says uh, with reference to the holding on Kane at the corner in the first half why has no one mentioned the push by Stones just prior to it good question yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to mention I, I didn't see that <laughs> but I mean Russian TV has this weird thing like, we, we get the replays during the game but then at half time whatever like, you don't see any replays um, uh, anyone who follows Miguel on Twitter will know what they show at half time and it, it's not really that helpful to, to match analysis um, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it uh, uh, Mark Smether says trippier man of the match Henderson awful Sterling worse okay. start RLC next time it's a game of opinions guys Rose for Young next game says Nathan Salt we've yeah. covered that one Critch, yes. um, very much in agreement uh, with you there Ben Grounds says Sterling and whether he should start the next game has to be the major talking point. Impact of subs clear tonight, but chance to gain confidence against Panama? Question mark. Yeah, probably. Panama looked rubbish, but we'll get onto that later on. Mick Muldoon says how bad was that? Um, not quite as bad as the score suggests, I think. Uh, Andrew Lawrence says have a word with whoever did your player ratings. Um, I'm not sure who actually did those, but uh, as ever, player ratings are uh, very subjective, and it's not a surprise that people wouldn't agree with every single number. Uh, Dan Penny says, "Bar, where's it gone tonight?" Refereeing actually is is you know we did touch on it. Yeah. I, I thought I thought the the penalty given against England was soft, and that England should have had two penalties. But then it makes you sound like a real homer. So um, uh, if I could counteract that, so someone mentioned the Stones thing before. Yes, yes, the the push on on Kane, and uh, I think that's the first the first penalty shout in the first half. So when that happens apparently because of Stones' push the referee the VAR will have seen that and therefore that negates Kane's penalty claim after it so that's the reason why or at least a, a theory why the first penalty wasn't given so so perhaps that answers two questions in one there I hope possibly um, or neither um, <laughs> Richard Wallace says do we know for sure that Kane's first goal shouldn't actually be credited to Maguire it was very close to crossing the line but we never saw a definitive angle Richard that is a boring question <laughs> Pranav Malhotra says are your keys working now no they're not no they're still I like it because it proves that Pranav has listened yeah. uh, from the start and, and we appreciate the loyalists more than ever we are very much like the Sopranos loyalty is important um, but no Pranav uh, they don't work because we got sold duds basically so that is just rubles down the drain Adam Drinkwater asks what do you make oh no we've, uh, we already did that one uh, Ramiz Ramiz what, what's wrong there's a little bug on the floor that just fell over and it's on its back now I'm going to ok you, you euthanise the bug um, Ramiz Nathan says oh give us a little thought on Fakwadeen Ben Youssef 
He was the reason behind Tunisia's penalty and made Ashley Young's night a living nightmare. Uh, yes, yeah, to an extent, I think um, that, that was certainly part of what was Ashley Young's issue. But when Ashley Young was actually on the ball, he was not very good um, tonight. And usually you can rely on that, rely on him to be good with the ball because he, you know, he started out as a winger. And he ended up, you know, he's playing left wing back now, which isn't. Ashley Young can be an incredibly petulant player who, whenever he loses the ball, just kicks. It's very his, irritating his actually, because in the shins, as you saw tonight, but as he did often last season for United, and especially in the Manchester derby at Old Trafford against Raheem Sterling. It's, I hate that brainless sort of play where someone loses the ball and they're so frustrated that they they'll chase them down, and it's it's in a it's in a kind of attacking position still. So all you need to do is just pen them in the corner and make them make a decision and instead what they do is they just hack away at the player give away a free kick and completely relieve the pressure on the opposition it's just brainless football that was a little bit of what was concerning me about England and let's not forget that that was quite a long spell of pretty much nothing in the second half I mean you you missed a lot the first half but you you arrived basically and watched half an hour of the absolute dirge that they threw up before, before they could score the goal so you really did see the worst of it, and and it was a lot of it was just brainless. Yeah, that's exactly. And I think and like so okay, like say throughout this season, both back, ever since they did it, he made such a big thing of kind of the whole going against what they did against Iceland, showing calmness under pressure. And this is all this stuff about the Marines and all of that. Uh, and Bar Kane, a few a few players didn't quite show that tonight. That, that again is another slight concern. Both of me. That, that sort of stuff is all about LinkedIn management and not, and really it does pale when it comes next to the, to the fundamentals and I suppose ultimately Southgate got one massive call right which is a huge encouragement which is the introduction of uh, Loftus-Cheek um, I mean Loftus-Cheek as I say I think will be the big conversation over the next few days uh, up in Rapino and uh, what other questions we got Greg Double says how many goals do you reckon Russia score tomorrow asking for LGBT plus friends oh well uh, no, I, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. It's quite a good campaign, actually. It's actually, it's Paddy Power running it, but okay. basically every goal Russia score, they're just donating ten grand to LGBT right. plus charities. Um, Caitlin Jenner was on board for it, but uh, considering Russia's record uh, with things like that, I think it's a quite a good way of tackling it. Was Paddy Power running it for the first game. Yeah, they ran it for the first game. So the, the five 0 win meant that already it's fifty grand um, tucked away. Uh, with those charities so uh, good on them who are Russia playing tomorrow Egypt uh, yeah I think it's going to be a tighter game against Egypt Egypt to a whoops microphone dropped um, much better much better team than Saudi Arabia who along with Panama or Tunisia might be the worst team at the World Cup South Korea South Korea South Korea look pretty poor we, we actually should talk about the earlier games at, at some point um is there anything else you want to say from that England game? I think we've pretty much covered a lot of it in a very sort of hyperactive 20 minutes or, or so. Um, the main thing, I guess, is going forward. So we know the changes that you would make, Critch. You would have Danny Rose in for Ashley Young. Unless there's any, unless there's any real... We don't know. If Without injury any concerns. Kind of you have to ignore concerns. injury concerns, right? Yeah. If he was just, fit, just, based on, just based on performances and tonight and, you know... You don't want to overreact, but at the same time, you need to try and win every game. So, what changes would you make, assuming everyone's fit? I would put Rose in for Young, um, and I think Loftus-Cheek. I, I, I still think you can't ignore the fact that Deli Ali was the most creative English player in, in the Premier League this year. Um, I, I, my, my reservation really about 
England's lineup. Apart, I know I said before that the one change I would make was Rose. The other thing was whether Ali and Lingard as a central midfield pairing is is really necessary. Um, and I, I kind of swayed towards Delft before. I think tonight Loftus Cheek has has done his claim, has staked his claim. So whether you'd want to put Ali and Loftus Cheek in the middle together, maybe I could be tempted to do that, but. Otherwise, apart from really Rose and for Young, I wouldn't make massive changes. I'm I'm kind of averse because whenever there's a tournament game, whenever there's even a slight disappointment like there was tonight, people were getting frustrated because they couldn't break Tunisia down. People look to make changes. I think generally we need to accept that a lot a lot of those players that were out there tonight were England's best players, and the, and the, and they're playing in a formation that suits them. So I I don't think there needs to be whole scale changes, especially for Panama who looks so poor. Uh, I kind of agree with all of that. I think there's actually a, a problem perhaps where Ali and Lingard are kind of, they like to operate in the same areas and are very similar players. Um, kind of floaters between the lines of, of yeah. midfield and attack. Whereas I think Loftus-Cheek is more of a pure central midfielder who obviously likes to get forward and he likes to bomb on with and without the ball. But he is a central midfielder first. Whereas I, I think of Ali as an attacking midfielder, which is slightly different. Miguel tapping so violently on his keyboard, I feel like he's going to smash through his laptop. His keyboard is kind of uh, it's a dodgy. Is it a, dodge, a dodgy keyboard? No doubt. Um, anything you you want to add on England before we go? I mean, before we sorry, not go. Before we move on, um, we will, I guess, dial up Jack and, and Johnny in Volgograd and just see what what thoughts they have because uh, they've had a different perspective to us tonight. But um, is there anything you change for the next game or the fact that you know? Realistically, they could have won the game six 0 and whatever the expected goals were, it was a, a comprehensive victory. Maybe they should just stick with it. No, I think they should play RLC, especially the next game against Panama, who they should be thumping about five or six nil. I mean, this group group come down to goal difference, so uh, yeah. Although in saying that, it's hard to know whether, it, given the way some of the other games have gone, the teams that unlike England couldn't win their opening game, it's actually difficult to know whether it's better to finish first or second now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, and, and but you have to just try and win the group. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Um, the, so the game before this was Belgium-Panama, which was the other game uh, in the same group. And it's relevant to England because, as you say, the goal difference is what it could come down to. And Belgium did, in the end, win 3-0 uh, against Panama. They were frustrated in the first half. And in the second half, I felt, Critch, that it was more of a the individuals kind of shining through than anything Roberto Martinez did. And, uh, uh, it wasn't a convincing Martinez display in terms of they didn't look like a team that had it all together. Um, I, th- I think they really settled down after the Dries Mertens goal, which didn't really come out of any kind of systemic play. It was more that the chance broke after a bit of the ball bouncing, kind of like bouncing off a defender in the box, bouncing clear, and and, and Dries Mertens on the ball, on the volley, and it went in. Um, and then after that, yeah, like 
the the second one, but the, the other two goals. That this is the thing. The other two goals were really impressive, and I think they spoke of the talent that we all know is in this Belgium team. Um, Kevin De Bruyne setting up the second with the kind of move that you you've been used to seeing at Manchester City this season. Uh, only Romelu Lukaku was the one that was finishing it, and then and then obviously Lukaku has the third as well, uh, breaking the lines and, and finishing. Um, so, so I think first half Belgium didn't really seem to have an idea of how to break down Panama but that came through in the end and maybe that's we've, we've been talking a lot about self-management over the last over the last week or so with the Spain business um, I do wonder whether Belgium are going to have to do that as well to an extent because um with that, we we wanted to like you know not disrespect Roberto Martinez. I think, I think he doesn't pay too much attention to the back end of things, <laughs> and and um, you know he has Yannick Carrasco as a as a left wing back, and and Yannick Carrasco I don't think is a left wing back, um, and Munir Munir as well. I mean Munir was one of their top scorers in qualifying, and he was basically playing the same role as Kimmich was yesterday now if you're Tom, Thomas be- Meunier sorry uh, just yeah, to correct okay. the pronunciation of that uh, okay thank you Meunier um, is the Morocco forward Meunier oh right yes yeah okay okay anyway I'm just restoring that for, for later yeah. okay uh, and so can you say it again because I'm going to say it wrong again Thomas Meunier 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 okay we'll stop doing this now but um, he yes uh, he 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 left the same kind of spaces that Kimmich did yesterday. So um, you wonder it against better sides than Panama whether whether that's going to cost them. No, I, Panama. I think Miguel's point that it could come down to goal difference is interesting because they play in the last game. So one team could go into it knowing that a draw is enough, whereas the other team's going to go into it knowing they have to win. Um, so Belgium have the head start three 0 against Panama. England will be disappointed that they couldn't run up the score against Tunisia but you know the same thing can happen the other way around uh, where Belgium perhaps get frustrated against Tunisia with regards to self-management which I think is a very interesting point and something we've discussed and I believe uh, something we'll be writing about uh, this week uh, a little bit more can't can't go into too much detail on that but uh, we'll tell you about it when it's out they haven't got the Sergio Ramos and Gerard Piquet there. They haven't got Andres Iniesta. They haven't got guys who have won multiple, multiple Champions Leagues, who have won World Cups, who have won European Championships. They've got great players. They've got very good players. Um, and they've got experienced players. But they don't have quite the elite, elite level of player to, to self-manage in the same way as, say, a Spain can. They've got Thomas Vermaelen and Jan Vertonghen and those guys. But they're not the top, top level with all of that experience of winning and leading teams to victory. Yeah. Even then, though, I think, I think Martinez, like, okay, he's not brilliant, but he's one of the better coaches of the tournament. And I think it's very easy to forget just how bad Wilmots was a manager of that squad. I mean, people, I, I think... I will never forget well, how bad he was. <laughs> but I, I think people, like, there's been this label, Belgium are bottlers, and they're under, always under reform, but I think a lot of that goes down to how badly mismanaged they were. And whatever about Martinez, I don't think he'll mismanage them. I think, he gives, first of all, he gives them a structure and he will make changes and okay that's quite basic he's, he's, I think he's better than basic but I think that that can go far uh, I mean I had to do two, I did two Belgium games in Brazil and two in France and uh, I can tell you no one appreciates more than me how terrible Mark Wilmot was as a coach but 
today they didn't look cohesive. They didn't look to have a great structure. I thought they were, they were very conservative in the first half. They, they really should have been pulling Panama apart, and, and they didn't. But it does mean that this group has more of a chance, I think, of... I don't know. I, I think things can happen in this group. And, and England could finish first. They could finish second. They could go home, of course. Uh, but also, as you said, Miguel, um, the way things have shaken out, we don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, we saw the second game from Group E. Was it the Sweden-South Korea game? Sweden Group F. Sweden won... Um, one goal to nil. In truth, it was a boring game where Sweden scored one goal from the penalty spot. A penalty given... That was a VAR penalty, wasn't it? A VAR penalty. A VAR penalty, uh, which are very common, it seems, these days. Um, South Korea did not have much. They they open up and give a lot of chances away. Uh, fairly predictably, for like an armchair fan, Sun was the only threat they had with that one amazing run. Um, Sweden weren't, weren't that impressive either, were they? But But... They got the job done, one nil. Do you think uh, I, I, we're saying after that game? I can see a scenario where Mexico beat South Korea handily, but then come un- unstuck against a very organised Sweden team. Yeah, we were saying that. I agree with that. Um, yesterday, Mexico, for as in- impressive as they were, and, and as well as Osario did to counteract Germany's system, um, they did waste a lot of chances, and you you don't think that. When they're playing against more than two defenders, those yeah. chances aren't going to come too much. So, um, Sweden are a very disciplined side, like we said a couple of days ago. Uh, again, today, they didn't really let South Korea in, although South Korea didn't seem to have much going for them anyway. So, yeah, I, w- I would say that from here, even even though Germany have lost the first game, you would still have them maybe as favourites to, to go through and maybe go through as winners. They and, certain, sorry, sorry, and and then and then it really comes down to that Sweden Mexico game and and whether Mexico have the ability to break down Sweden's tight defense. It's going to be such a different game plan for Mexico. Like the, the Mexico, be, yeah. the Mexico team to play against Sweden is going to be a completely. It's got to be a completely different strategy to against Germany because Sweden will not play like Germany did. Uh, Germany. Uh, I was saying uh, earlier on that they were very confident in the mix zone after talking to Timo Werner, talked to Julian Brandt, talked to Tony Cruz, talked to a couple of others, and they were all saying, you know, you know, yeah, we lost, but you know, we can still get six points, and you get six points, you're probably going to go through. Uh, they're pretty confident, um, but someone else points me, it's actually kind of arrogance, and and what their performance was itself was was quite arrogant in terms of the way they, the excessive confidence they had in themselves and the almost you know the lack of respect they showed to Mexico kind of saying yeah you know we can leave two at the back and then they're not going to do anything oh the Germans yeah 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 Yeah, what I liked about Mexico and it was a little bit with Switzerland last night the game I was at basically they suddenly sensed that because the way the game was going and the way the opposition were set up that uh, Germany and in Switzerland's case Brazil Weren't there wasn't actually all that much to them, and then they went for it, which is really, I mean, in pre in recent year, world recent tournaments and particularly Euro twenty sixteen, there was there was still a bit kind of like let's keep it tight about the supposedly lesser size and situations, but not really here in Mexico. I mean, could have been four 0 in the break. No, absolutely, and I think um, it's going to be interesting both of these groups to see how it shakes out because I think these groups do look like two that could come down to goal difference. Um, they're tight enough that it's going to be interesting. Tomorrow we've got 
the final group, the only group we haven't seen, Group H, which is it's quite unique, as I, as I wrote today, which I think will be published first thing tomorrow, because it's the only group which has a team from four different confederations. It's got Colombia, who are the South Americans, who are exciting. They've got, obviously, James Rodriguez, but they've got Falcao, and they've got any number of other good players. Um, you've got Poland, who are kind of a one of these strong European teams. You've got Senegal, who, like Thunder and Lightning, you've got lots of great attacking players. You've got a midfield full of Premier League players that, that you see every week. Uh, and even at the back, they've got players like Kaladu Kudabai, who's one of the best centre-backs in Serie A. So I think Senegal could surprise a few people. It's a, between those three, it's kind of like a rock-paper-scissors. Uh, you know, like Poland, if you say they're the rock. Colombia look great on paper. And Senegal are the scissors who can cut you open. Um, and then there's Japan. Just Japan. Uh, who are, you know, at the competition at least. So, you know, that, that's going to be interesting. It's a, I've talked about culture clashes numerous times um, because that's what kind of one of the things that makes the World Cup interesting, especially these opening group games, to see how the, the two different teams come together with their different styles and I think that group uh, like Senegal versus Japan weird game Poland versus Senegal which we're at tomorrow is that right weird game are you coming with me yeah I'm coming oh, yeah yeah right, okay. so um, yeah I mean we'll, we'll talk about those a bit more tomorrow we've got Russia Egypt as well so the Russians um, in St. Petersburg I believe which will be interesting because then we'll see if that was just a, a blip because they were against the dreadful dreadful Saudi Arabia team um, and I guess what will help judge that is Wednesday's game when Uruguay play, Uruguay play Saudi Arabia um, but I think we should probably um, at this point just discuss Miguel because you're not around tomorrow no um, you've been doing a lot more travelling obviously Critch and I have had the game thick and fast coming in Moscow but you uh, have been around and about you've seen Spain Portugal Brazil um, you've watched some games on TV of course uh, but I was wondering kind of uh, where you were at what sort of themes you were starting to pick out of this competition yeah it is a weird thing about World Cup in the sense that uh, <laughs> because you're travelling and going to games you miss a lot of it but no we, we you know, seeing a lot and actually one of the nice things about World Cup I was sat uh, in a departure lounge in Moscow for a connecting I had to come back even though Sochi and Rostov are quite close together on the map I had to come back from Sochi to Moscow for a connecting flight and then back to Rostov but that did involve then kind of sitting in the departure lounge watching um, Argentina Iceland on a Brazil fans uh, iPad with a Danish fan Peruvian fan you know which is quite genuinely quite like that, that's what the World Cup is all about um, one of the things I would say obviously the team of the tournament so far is the big names slipping up Um and that what that will do is, is in fact it's almost guaranteed now it'll mean pretty much every group will go to the wire bar England I'd say which only will have four, first place for grabs and that will maybe be the most competitive and lively group stage until or since uh, US 74 uh, also I mean goal averages have been low I mean one thing to say usually when you've, we've had a situation in the past where kind of the big boys slipped up like 2002 like 1990 it's been down to kind of defensive football because of because the success of defensive football. And even though goal average has been low in this tournament, like 1990, like 2010, I don't think that's been the case. I think it's just been, I think it's been open for one. The score lines haven't reflected how exciting some of the games have been. With that, I mean, Mexico and Peru are probably the perfect examples of that. Mexico should have had much more. Peru, one of the most entertaining sides to watch. Um, so I think there's good attacking teams in this tournament. It's, it's, it's better than 
Euro 2016 in that regard. Uh, we haven't had a nil-nil. That was match 15, England mm-hmm. um, versus Tunisia. We haven't, had a, uh, we haven't had a nil-nil or a red card yet, which is... It seems to me like we're well overdue. Seems like the wrong time to take up spread betting. It does seem like the wrong time to take up spread betting, if there was one of our employees who had uh, done exactly that. Um, but I think it's... What you say about the, the the attacking nature of it, after the Euros, I think a lot of people predicted or feared or however you want to say it, that this tournament would go the same way, that it would be a very negative yeah. tournament where, where coaches would prioritise defensive football because it's easier to coach and all that sort of stuff. And we haven't really seen a lot of that. Like Germany, Mexico was, was just wild because I've never seen kind of two teams just go for the jugular on each other from kickoff in that way almost. It, it was... It was peculiar. Spain-Portugal, as we know, was, was an absolute circus of a game. Uh, it's more, as the groups go on, I fear, you know, perhaps it, things will tighten up a little. Um, you're saying, like, all the groups probably are going to go to the wire, except the England group, but even the England group is going to be England-Belgium, that final game, and both teams are going to be trying to, how you say it, engineer the best possible outcome for themselves. Um, and with teams slipping up and stuff you, you never know who you're going to get in the next round which is always good um, for unpredictability what would you say I mean it sounds that, that airport streaming moment it sounds like you, that was your kind of like great like oh like I'm really at the World Cup sort of moment <laughs> it's a bit of that, I mean without getting all love actually about it <laughs> there, there is uh, airports at the World Cup because it's just this constant if you're getting love actually fans. about it at the airport you run past security and manage to like not get shot in the back <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, but no it's for different reasons like that awful fucking love actually I, I, I actually said that curse, curse on the coming out of that explicit tag on it yeah, 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 yeah it's fine I'll just yeah. put explicit oh, wow. on it <laughs> um, no, it's not like the point because basically just the, the amount of different fans that you see go through, like, um, especially in Moscow because it's such a central hub for traveling that way. But yeah, it was great. So tomorrow, tomorrow I've got my uh, my sixth flight in fourth city in eight days. Sounds terrible. Um, I, I I mean, in many ways, the World Cup is like love. Actually, everyone likes to watch it occasionally, and it's lots of different themes and storylines just t- nightly, kind of nicely knitted together at the end yeah. um, and, and also I love it so um, there is that uh, we probably should uh, dial up Jack and Johnny so I'll, I'll do that in a minute um, and then we'll just come back to, to wrap things up Hello Jonathan Liu in Volgograd uh, what is the mood like uh, in Volgograd sweaty, disgusting bug ridden Volgograd after that, uh, which was a win but it was a frustrating one Yeah actually I'm not sure whether there was that much frustrating about it in the end I mean the second half was frustrating but I I think the real frustration would have been had it finished 1-1 the frustration would have been in the result rather than the performance Um, I thought England were alright I think think England were really good in the first half um, for about half an hour then they conceded the goal then they lost their heads a bit then Southgate clearly got them in at half time and I think told them, got them to calm down and I think maybe they calmed down a little bit too much uh, there wasn't quite the urgency that we as spectators and supporters and observers would have wanted to see uh, in, in the second half uh, you know certainly in, in the last sort of 10-15 minutes but I mean they we've seen so many England teams panic in the past right and um, we've seen Hodgson throwing on four strikers against, against Iceland Um they kept their shape. They sort of believed in themselves. And like Southgate said, sometimes you try everything 
and you just run out of time. But the important thing is that you keep your shape and, and that we didn't, you know, basically go for broke and, and, and lose it in, in transition and get done 2-1 on the counter-attack. Um, so I, I think in many ways, it's, it's, it's kind of been the perfect game for England in that they have they have plenty to improve on. Uh, and yet they they sort of kept the walls from the door, but not too far away. Nobody nobody wanted them to, to win five nil tonight. Uh, if you if you're trying to to build your way into a tournament, uh, it's kind of better to start with a, a result like that in a way. Yeah, it probably is. I, I can see that. I mean, we've we've been talking about it here for the last half an hour or so. Um, who would you say was England's stand-up performer tonight that wasn't called Harry Kane? Oh, that's hard to say. You could make a case for Kieran Trippier, I guess. His his delivery uh, was was fantastic. I thought he he played for for England basically does as he does for Tottenham. Really, really dynamic. Um, his he had a great engine at a in a game where a lot of his teammates were I think slightly beginning to to, to look a bit leggy towards the end. Um, but I, I reckon probably John Stones. He was he was really good. I mean, I you have to remember Stones is a player who has not played a huge amount. Of football for Manchester City this season, he got injured over the winter. I, I think he's, you know, he, he's not played too many good games for City since the, since the turn of the year. I'd say he's, he's maybe played one or two games where you, where you you thought, yeah, he's doing all right. And yet he's he has a role in this team which is is so different in terms of temperament from what is required from him at Manchester City. And I thought he was he wasn't scared to to receive the ball. He wasn't scared to. to to, to bring it forward and the way he the way he sort of attacked the Tunisia half and, and, his, and his threat at set pieces was a big part of the reason why, why England won I thought Henderson was great I thought I thought Lingard was alright um, and I don't think uh, I, at the other end of the scale I, I don't really think Sterling was as bad as everybody said he was he, he went for a lot of stuff and a lot of it didn't come off and sometimes you just have a night like that I don't think I don't think he made too many wrong decisions, if if that makes any sense. But yeah, uh, probably probably stones for me. I don't know what you guys thought, but the second half felt really stale um, for us watching on TV. I, what I just want to know, with a better view of the pitch and stuff, why do you think that was? And like, um, is this something that they can they can go away and, and fix before the next couple of games? I think it's largely mental. Um, clearly, the the heat had a, had a little bit of an effect. It, it was it wasn't a muggy night, but it was sort of. There was there was an airlessness to to the stadium. There's it's not an open stadium, um, and so the, the the air tends to sit and the flies. So maybe they looked a little bit uh, a little bit leggy towards the end. But I think mainly it's it's the fact that the the opening game of a World Cup is there's there's a reason why far better England teams haven't haven't managed to win one. It's I, I think it, it's such a, a leap into the unknown, and the stakes are so much higher than anything that you've been playing for you know over over the, the last few years it, i mean i, I think uh, I, I calculated this that the, england are playing in a world cup for 0.02% of the time the, the rest of the time it's just kind of you know it's normal life and nobody seems to nobody really seems to, to care about this kind of stuff too but, but for that 0.02% of the time it you, you kind of know that Everybody is watching it. Everybody around the world. There's people in, you know, every continent on earth who are watching you with the ball at your feet. And are, are you going to try and beat your man, or are you going to try and are you going to pass it sideways? And I think part of it, 
uh, is you know just getting into a World Cup. And I, I don't agree with people who, who say that you know this this was an unsparing win or that they, they've scraped through or they've been, they've been lucky. I think winning the first game of the World Cup and as we've seen teams like Brazil and Germany uh, and, and France Spain and Portugal all struggle to do that uh, and the fact that England have done it is a massive massive step for them um, and they will grow into this tournament they will they will settle down they may not qualify they may not you know go as far as, as they're hoping but I, what we learn tonight is that I don't think the experience is going to paralyse them in the way that it has done a lot of England teams in the past Jack, you're you're there. You're there with Johnny. Um, give us your, you know, give us your thoughts. We've had Johnny's thoughts for the last couple of minutes. Give us yours. Uh, I don't know what Johnny's already said, so I might be you might be going going over the same ground. I thought that was a really mixed performance by England. I thought it was well right up until Kane 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 scored the second. I had a piece written which was basically we've seen this movie before this is the one all against Sweden 2002 you write about movies I also wrote about movies I used the word movie but I, I didn't write about movies in yeah, general yeah, Sweden 2002 USA 2010 France 2012 like it's you know it's a very classic story of going 1-0 up not really knowing what to do panicking conceding a silly goal not being able to get going again and then Kane scored like does that mean that England were good no not really but it is a big like, it is obviously very different from what we're used to for England to win a game like that. So, I mean, I'd say probably on balance more good than bad. I mean, there was a lot of bad. Like, 25 to 89 minutes was pre- was bad and getting worse. I thought, I thought the second half was really poor. Like, given how much the ball England had, it didn't really create anything at all until the goal. They created more, far more in the first half than the second half. You've contradicted most of what I've said. But oh, no, really? Go on. In what way? No, I, well, I, I, Apparently, we don't argue enough on the pod, so no, this could I, well, be the first. I, I, thought, I, I thought they were just... I thought the second half was kind of a natural reaction, and it's, it was really... It was, it, it's kind of wrong to expect anything else of, of an England team. Playing in the first game of the World Cup, that we all have said for months are not that good, and they are now up against a team that is delighted to take a one-all. And that's kind of what's going to happen. And the fact that they scored the goal at the end does change everything because as Southgate said the processes that they were going through were alright you could complain about the tempo you could say there was a little bit more urgency but he, they didn't panic and they got through it and that's basically all you can ask for in the first game of World Cup yeah I mean certainly if you compare it to other teams then it looks better right like I mean it's very similar to France's game you know we did better than Brazil far better than Germany uh, far better than Argentina but I don't know. I just there was something about the second half. I can see what you mean, that, and maybe it was inevitable and kind of baked in to uh, by everything that we know about the, this team. But I did. I was. There is no. There is no reason why they shouldn't have been able to start the second half the way they started the first half. No, I mean I guess not. But my point is that in terms of whether that result has any bearing, whether that performance has any bearing on whether they're able to beat Germany in a quarter final, I, I think it has very little. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in the sense that that game would be different from that, in part because England were playing against a more attacking opponent. Like a team who... I, I think England against an attacking opponent would be a completely different match. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, I, I would love to see it. I think we should probably play Vardy if we were in such a match and Rashford mm-hmm. try and get him behind. It would, I think we'd get massively exposed... I'm sorry, sorry, one game in, I'm already slipping into we. Uh, every, every, every reference to England. Uh, they slipping in we. <laughs> that, 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 that's certainly true um, yeah I mean I think that, that would be different I, I think we do there is like a general problem here which is like 
trying to unpick defensive teams who are happy with the point, like you said. I think Panama might be, you know, Panama will probably be more of the same. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and you, you you take one nil and a heartbeat against Panama. The fact that Belgium have, have, have beaten them quite handily um, means that even if, you know, England's get seven points they may not win the group but I, I mean I, think, I guess it's, it's probably too 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 far ahead to look at that now um, anyway I'm going to hand back to you uh, Ed in the in the studio or you know whatever whatever you're calling your, your little living room in Malingrad Malingrad Mal- Malingrad Nizhny Malgorod uh, over and out <laughs> very uh, original uh, yes we've been referring to it as uh, the Peckham of Moscow but, but thank you, YouTube. Uh, excellent stuff in Volgograd. I guess we'll see them again soon. Um, we'll just take a little break and uh, we'll wrap things up. Okay then, so just to wrap things up, um, we'll just do the quick fire questions and then uh, we'll send you on your way uh, so I can edit this and everyone can listen to this on the way to work or whatever in the morning. Um, I guess after pretty much the first round of group games, the big question is this, which is the team that has impressed each of you the most I'll start with you Miguel uh, Spain I think put in they weren't they were far from perfect against Portugal and there was the flaw of how susceptible they were to counterattacks. but they did fix that second half and I'd say in total for about 40-45 minutes of that match collected put all their spells put together they had the highest level of football in the tournament um, I'd agree with that in terms of top level actual football um, as in if you put them on a field against any of the other top teams in this tournament I think Spain were probably the one that stood out the most to me uh, Critch are you going to be boring and agree or have you got something else going to be boring and agree going to be boring and agree um, which team has changed your opinion of them the most Critch um, I think maybe Mexico if only because I kind of had Sweden down as my dark horses before and now I'm not too sure about it because I still think Germany get out of Group F um, the the thing the question with Mexico I think is what we said yesterday is whether they had this they had this brilliantly well drilled tactical plan to play Germany it's just how they come up against different systems uh, we know that Azario likes to change um, he's quite fluid in that respect um, so it it's just whether his other plans work because because y- you know we don't quite know what to expect from him next but. I'm now definitely more confident of seeing Mexico in, into the last 16 as they perennially have been than I was before. I'm kind of tied here between three. Russia surprised me by winning 5-0. But, that's true. Because but, but, I thought they would be genuinely dreadful. But I, I don't think they were playing against a good team. Germany surprised me uh, and changed my opinion of them. Because not only were they like just poor and poorly laid out and like there were obvious errors that they didn't obvious issues that they didn't address during the game which is like very surprising for a team that kind of are supposed to be like so committed to minute preparation that they give players certain temperature of tap water and all this sort of stuff <clears throat> I, I actually when Hummels came out and basically called out you know as we discussed last night whether it was Jürgen Löw or his teammates the fact that he did that after one group game um, yeah. that, that set alarm bells off for me That that is not uh, necessarily normal stuff and also France who despite winning I looked at them and I thought they don't look like a team that can win the World Cup and coming into the tournament I looked at their squad and I thought yeah of course they can win it um, Critch uh, sorry not not Critch Miguel uh, for me by far Brazil who I watched last night because just 
I mean, I went to that game, and given how they were taught, given some of their qualifiers, I really expected an exhibition at them to show, yeah, this is going to be convincing, but it was far from that. And in fact, what was really worrying about them was how physically fragile they looked, and also how bullied they were by Switzerland. Uh, I thought they were it was really, really disappointed in them. Do you think... Uh you can say that the referee was a mitigating factor and perhaps Switzerland were better than you thought? Even allowing for that, Brazil should have been better, given everything, about, everything we've heard about them, everything we've seen about them up till then. Switzerland did play very well. Uh, what, I mean, Switzerland actually talked to... Lichsteiner told us in the mix-on after the game that he felt the referee called for things too easily. Uh, as regards the push for Zuber, Zuber's equaliser, I thought I didn't think there was much in that. Um... But like Brazil was just, and also there's a problem with Neymar. I mean, not not even a physical problem, but in the one thing you would have associated with Brazil going into this tournament from how they finished qualifying or for the last twelve games really was this kind of a brutal attacking in the sense that they just kind of with the power about that teams. Whereas the amount of times Neymar got the ball last night and just rather than contributing to that, he kept trying to he slowed them down and kept trying to embarrass opposition players and almost nearly embarrassed himself. It was it was like a child playing. There's nothing wrong with with using the ball quickly to stop teams getting back and defend and, and massing bodies behind the ball. It's one of the most important things you can do is catch a team off balance. Um, which is the worst team at World Cup 2018 from what you've seen so far? Um, I think I think Saudi Arabia. I think Saudi Arabia. I think we didn't quite expect as much from Saudi Arabia, perhaps as we expected from South Korea. But South Korea were very poor as well. Um, so I, I would definitely go with Saudi Arabia just for simply the fact that they were trying to do things that were they had ideas well above their station and really couldn't carry them out and uh, yeah yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with that Saudi Arabia obviously seeing them in the flesh and just watching their struggles uh, I also felt that there was a bit of uh, South Korea yeah I, I get it they're definitely a better but they're Panama, actually a Panama, better team yeah, they're actually a better, South Korea are actually a better team than Saudi Arabia they're just Below expectation, like yeah, okay, okay. You you had you had higher hopes for them, uh, and Panama, <laughs> Panama got better uh, against Belgium, but in the first half, I thought Belgium were going to win six or seven nil. Um, as it turns out, it was nil nil at half time. Um, and for you, Miguel, what was the question? Worst team, <laughs> uh, Panama, obviously. Yeah, Panama. Uh, although Saudi Arabia is so bad as well. I actually thought Tunisia were dreadful. Uh, which kind of is a further context for England. <laughs> uh, probably Panama. Uh, I think that's fair enough. And, and more on an individual level, now we've seen, uh, we've only seen 90 minutes from each player, 90 plus four, 90 plus five. Are there any, do you think, which player do you think is there any player that is kind of set to have a big tournament based on what you've seen so far? Uh, I was impressed with Shakiri last night. For, uh, and I think he and set up the goal was creative yeah, offered, offered a fair bit actually I, and I suppose he's uh, looking for a move at the moment shop window yeah shop window a classic <laughs> World Cup shop window uh, that's an interesting one uh, and certainly not in the top 10 players I probably would have said uh, Critch um, I hope I think he played well and I hope that David Silva has a good tournament um, because I think he's been kind of sidelined perhaps slightly in, in Spain's triumphs before uh, and if we think that Spain are going to go on and they look like the best team in this competition, then hopefully he plays a big part of it. Uh, I think uh, it's not going to be anyone in an Argentina shirt, that's for sure. Although the fact that Sampaoli seems to appreciate it, he needs to change shape like we were talking about the other night. 
uh, is good. Um, I'm looking through the teams. It's probably Harry Kane in in many ways. Just the way that whenever the ball fell to him tonight it was the only chance, the only time he ever felt confident in England. Um, and the two times it did, he scored both of them. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo is too obvious as well. Uh, so how about um, what if it's a breakout tournament? What if? Uh, Chucky Lozano just has a, a massive tournament for Mexico. You know, if he, he, he's scored the winner against Germany, they get through the group stage. What if they get beyond the, the round of 16 for the first time in what like the last five in a row, six in a row, was it? We said that they've gone out of the round of 16. If Lozano has a big tournament, PSV will obviously be licking their lips. Um, but he could be on for, for a massive move and, and kind of have a James Rodriguez-style tournament. Yeah, I mean, so he's had a great year in the air division. If he has a great World Cup, then he's basically set Prime to move for about twenty-five million pounds to Tottenham, and then completely flop in the Premier League. So I don't think you could even buy him for twenty-five million based on last season. I think his, I think PSV value him far more than that. Obviously, their sporting director is now the sporting director of Everton, Marcel Brands. Um, so they have what I guess would be the inside track on him. But if they're going to sign Gelson Martins uh, of Portugal on a free transfer from Sporting Lisbon. Uh, then they might not need Lozano so that would be interesting to see um, also weird transfer news of the day I know this has been coming but it's actually confirmed today Portugal number one Rui Patricio has signed for Wolves uh, and you know join the dots uh, otherwise anything else to say before we go chaps I, I, I know we've covered a lot already tonight I'm very much looking forward to Argentina-Croatia which is the next game I'm at and that is what's, that's, that's why this opening round of games was quite great to be honest because it, it's, some, of, some of these sec, second round of games already feel like knockout games and Argentina and Croatia obviously two very very good teams uh, San Paoli is under massive pressure to get this right if, I mean Argentina could have that sort of Spain feel you know where yeah. you're just out you just you've got a great team and you just go out and, and, and if he did that did, didn't Maradona say that if they get knocked out of the group stage, San Paolo could never set foot in Argentina again. I don't think that's too far from the truth. Um, for a man that spent most of his, his professional career outside Argentina, I think he'd have to stay outside Argentina. Um, Critch, any parting notes uh, before... I mean, we'll be on tomorrow, obviously, discussing uh, the brilliant game between Poland and Senegal, but uh, anything else? Um, I mean, it's my day off, so no, not really... Uh... <laughs> It's his day off. I, I like I like Miguel's point there about how um, I can't even remember Miguel's point. I'm not giving him the light. It's been a long day. It's his day off, uh, and he still came on the podcast. What um, a hero, a martyr, and um, someone we can all aspire to be. So, um, without further ado, I'll, I'll leave you to it. Uh, as ever, check out all of the the England reaction analysis and news. We've had uh, Johnny Lou there, who you know might be the best writer on the planet. Jack Pitbrook has been following England all around and he was on the match report tonight in Volgograd, uh, where there are apparently loads of mosquitoes, if you hadn't heard. Uh, and there's obviously going to be loads of stuff going on tomorrow. The live blogs from all three games on Tuesday, Poland, Senegal, Colombia, Japan, and Russia, Egypt. Uh, Johnny's back in St. Petersburg for Russia, Egypt tomorrow night, which is a good shift from him. Two games in 24 hours. Uh, but otherwise uh, we'll catch you on the other side remember to to follow us on Twitter at Indie Football at Indie Sport on Instagram Independent Sport and on the website independent.co.uk slash football and if you're not already please subscribe listen rate and review to the podcast and we will see you tomorrow tomorrow